the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! As the Orange do it again, the cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644. We're talking SU football today. Just one guest lined up for you. Former SU star, current New York Giants defensive lineman Jay Bromley set to join us at 135. The Giants picking up their first win of the season last night. A surprising win uh, on the road out in Denver. But uh, we're going to talk SU football up until that point. We'll even talk some SU football with Jay Bromley. We want to hear from you uh, on this upset, colossal upset over Clemson inside the Carrier Dome on Friday night, 27 24 and, and there's so much to get to regarding this game Seth the historical perspective you know we talked on the show last week that it's been a long time since 1984 and I'm I, frankly I was getting tired of saying you know oh you go back to that win against Nebraska and how it changed the program and and even going back to Donovan McNabb's days and we said it was time Make your have own history. Right. Yeah. It was time to to put that in the past where it should be. I mean, you can obviously go back to it and say, yeah, you know, 1959 was great and the win over Nebraska was great and the 87 Sugar Bowl was great. But do something in the here and now that you can point to. And, and we got that. And, and you and I were joking uh, before the show started. And we both had the same thought after the game on Friday. You know, Dino Babers, one of his favorite lines is belief without evidence. He's going to need to come up with a new line because we got some evidence. What we saw on Friday in the Dome, that is what Dino Babers has been promising. That's what Dino Babers has been talking about. That's what this team has been building toward. And we saw it on full display on Friday night inside the Dome. Very impressive showing Across the board, offense, defense, special teams, and I think that that was that was my personal, my biggest takeaway, Seth, uh, from that game uh, on Friday. Yeah, you know, biggest win since you know '84, biggest win since McNabb, whatever it may be. My biggest takeaway was that wasn't a fluke. Syracuse went out and won that game. They were the better team. And did they catch a break with Kelly Bryant being banged up and then Kelly Bryant having to leave the game? Of course. But as Dino Baber said, that's the game of football. You have the ability to hit the opposing team's best player. Sometimes they get knocked out of the game. We saw it last year. Syracuse went down to Clemson. Eric Dungy got knocked out of the game in the first half, and it was a blowout. So did they obviously catch a break in that regard? Yes, but they took advantage of that, and that was no fluke on Friday. Syracuse was the better team on that night, and across the board, offense, defense, special teams, the Orange won that game. Yeah, that that was my biggest takeaway as well. It, it really was. Uh, there was no double reverse. There was no fake field goal. There was no uh, wide receiver pass. I mean, there was, but there it, was, didn't but it didn't work. Right? Uh, you know, it, it, it was not fluke. It was not trick plays. It was not Dante Strickland hitting Brizzly esteem. Uh, you know, it was not Rob Drummond throwing a touchdown pass. Uh, you know what I mean? It, it was not the double reverse against Nebraska. It was line up and beat them. And that's what Syracuse did. They lined up and they beat them. And and you saw it on that game ceiling play. Eric Dungy lined up and beat Clemson. He lined up, he took the snap, he ran for seven yards, reached as far as he could, got the eighth, 
got the first down, and Syracuse flat out won that game. Did you think that was a little ironic that last year Syracuse went down to Clemson and they took all designed runs out of the playbook, and then on Friday night inside the Dome with a game on the line, they went to a designed run for Eric Dungy, quarterback draw. He picked up the eight yards that he needed, moves the chains. They kneeled down victory formation after that. In fact, Dungy credited with 21 carries on Friday night. Now, you know, obviously the way that the stats work, six of those were sacks. 15 runs in that game for over 100 yards. Now, again, you have to He's subtract great. the yeah. sack yard. And so, you know, on the, on the stat sheet, it says he ended up with 61 rushing yards on 21 carries. He carried the ball 15 times for 102 yards, had the big 45-yard gain as well. A stark contrast from last year, Seth, when they went down to Death Valley and they said, you know what, Dungy's not going to run the ball, and then he ended up getting hurt anyway. Yeah, uh, Eric Dungy was great. Phenomenal, once again. Uh, I don't think that there's too much more you can say about Eric Dungy. Uh, The year he's having, the game he had on Friday night, uh, three touchdown passes, completed two-thirds of his passes, threw for 280 yards, uh, he was great, and named named just now uh, co-offensive back of the week uh, he was, in the ACC. Let's be honest, Seth. I mean, you know, Syracuse as a whole did not play the perfect game, and I'm not suggesting that Eric Dungy was perfect, but he did not make any mistakes. He's pretty close. He was, yeah. and that's my point is that he, you know. He didn't make any any mistakes, didn't have any turnovers, had the one bobbled exchange where he ended up falling on it, but made all the right decisions at all the right times. And, you know, you go to that last drive, and I know this is something that you brought up at the beginning of the season. You said at some point Syracuse is, you know, as fast as they are and they want to go up Temple, they're going to have to kill clock at some point and try to preserve a lead. They got the ball back with 6'10 to go in that game, and Clemson didn't touch it. Syracuse was able to convert three third downs on that drive, a third and two. They went to Strickland, picked up three yards running. A third and 11. Again, game on the line right around midfield. Dungy picks it up with an 11-yard pass to Steve Ishmael. And then the third and eight that we discussed on the Clemson 34, the design quarterback draw. uh, Dungy able to get exactly eight yards, and then they go into victory formation from there. 6-10. They had the ball That's at the end of the game. That is a, for this team in particular, for a team that we said, well, you know, can they run the football? They were able to run the football well enough on Friday night against a really, really good defense in Clemson. Uh, a Clemson team that was, what, averaging giving up, on average again, a field goal a quarter through the first three quarters, and, and Syracuse puts up 27 points on them and, and pulls off you know the upset of the season so far uh, in college football. But Syracuse able to rush the ball. Dante Strickland carried it 19 times for 78 yards. I already mentioned Dungy's numbers. Moniel had a couple of touches. They were able to run the ball. They were able to keep the, the Clemson defense on its heels to some degree. And, and again, no trickery. They just lined up, and, and, and Syracuse went out and beat them. Yeah, they, they just lined up and won. And I keep going back to that. I kept going back to that on on, on a postgame show Friday night. They just lined up and won. And, and I think that was the most surprising thing to me and the biggest takeaway. Like On Friday night, there was no question which team was better. Syracuse was far and away the better team on Friday night on that field. Uh, you know, it, it was not, you know, having to trick them and, and do something different. Like, no, they just went out and put up one of the best offensive games against Brent Venables' defense ever. 
you know, they, or at least since he's been at Clemson, uh, they they went and they knocked out a starting quarterback for the second week in a row, and they took advantage when the backup came in and couldn't do anything. Let me ask you this, Seth. At what point was there a specific play or a specific moment on Friday night when you thought to yourself, "This is real"? Like they could they could pull this thing off. Irv Phillips touchdown. Irv's touchdown. It was early. That was early in the game. I know that. Uh, but I was still in the dome at that point before I had to come back here and, and do post game, um, and I turned to the person I was sitting next to and I said, "Huh, maybe it is one of those nights. You know, maybe it is one of those days here. You know, because er, again, th- this wasn't lining up and tricking you. This was Clemson wasn't doing anything sophisticated on defense, and Irv just went past the guy, right? Like he just ran past somebody." And I think that in past years, when we've watched Florida State, when we watched Clemson, uh, you know, West Virginia to an extent, you know, maybe 10 years ago, like, they were just faster, right? Like, that was always the thing. Like, Louisville was always faster, or, or, or LSU was faster than Syracuse, and Clemson was always faster. Like, Irv just beat a guy. <laughs> you know, like, like, they've got the guys now, at least at line one, that can just go and beat you. And they've got guys who are fast enough and quick enough and skilled enough. And I think that seeing that play and seeing Irv just kind of bust through the coverage and burn someone, it kind of made me think, oh, maybe they could do this. That was and wh- there was a long way to go from that. Yes. But but like that was my first inkling. That that was obviously a busted coverage, no doubt about it, where you know, Irv took advantage of a Clemson mistake, and Eric Dungy took advantage of a Clemson mistake, and we saw many of those throughout the night in terms of the Tigers shooting themselves in the foot. They had a couple of really dumb penalties, just, oh, yeah. just stupid penalties. Um, but again, you have to be able to take advantage of it, and Syracuse did. I mean, Irv got free, Dungy found him, it was a, a busted coverage, and, and he took it to the house. And, and yes, it was early. Um, and and that's a that's a good answer. I'll give you my answer, Seth. And it was actually literally four plays later. It was the ensuing drive. It was uh, under four minutes to go, and they had the Clemson had a second and one right around midfield. And Kelly Bryant fakes the handoff, and he runs to his right. It just it looked like a designed play that you know kind of looked zone read when they started, but it looked like he was going to keep it the whole way. And he ran toward the sideline, and he didn't even try to pick up the first down. He just kind of gingerly ran out of bounds. Zaire was waiting for him. Paris Bennett was waiting for him. And you can tell he wasn't healthy. Right. And that's when I thought to myself, wow, you know, the offense is able to score on this Clemson defense, and Kelly Bryant is not right. I mean, you could tell that his mobility was severely limited in terms of what he could do. And that was the play that I thought to myself, and it was right after the play you're discussing. So, you know, the place is jumping. It's 14-7. We've already seen that the offense can move the ball, which was one of my biggest question marks going into this game, is how effective would they be against that Clemson defense, and could the offensive line hold up and give Dungy time? And we saw throughout the first quarter, okay, the offense is going to be okay. The offense is going to be able to score. And then when I saw Kelly Bryant, as limited as, as he was on that designed run, that's when I thought to myself, this this thing is real. And then, obviously, we know what happened from there. Bryant gets hurt. He's out for the entire second half. And and the game is nip and tuck the rest of the way. And, and Syracuse is able to pull it out. You know the other one that I think was really imp- important? Really, really important. Uh, that field goal drive after the fumble rec- recovery touchdown. The fumble return. Uh, but going back, a 12-play, 60-yard drive. Took up another five minutes. And all of a sudden, you had a, you know... A, Three and a half plus five, a 445 stretch. You had a, you know, almost nine minutes there 
uh, almost eight and a half, nine minutes there where Clemson wasn't on the field. And like, yeah, they outscored you seven to three, but that offense wasn't on the field. And you kind of wore down their defense, and you could tell. And oh, by the way, Clemson then went three and out the next time. And oh, by the way, when you could have bet broken, right? You could have shattered after that fumble recovery. You you really could have. You you could have broken down. It, it could have all come undone. You could have lost that game right there. And, and Syracuse didn't. Not only did they not break down. They went back and got a field goal right away. And if you remember the key play of that drive, Seth, and this was another point I wanted to make, the key play from that drive was a fourth and one at the Clemson 40. And the fact that that Dino Babers had faith in his offensive line and his offense as a whole to pick up that yard, that's something that, again, you go back maybe a month, I'm not sure he would have had confidence in his running game to pick up that yard. He goes forward on fourth and one at the Clemson 40. If they miss there, again, it's 14-14. You give Clemson great field position. But Dungey runs it. Dungey picks up the first down. They go down. They kick the field goal. Syracuse went for it on fourth down twice in this game. On that field goal drive, which was obviously very, very important, and they went for it on fourth down on the game-winning field goal drive, or what turned out to be the game-winning field goal drive with about 10 minutes to go uh, in the fourth quarter. Fourth and one at the Clemson 21 would have been about a 38, 39-yard field goal. But again, Dino Babers had faith in his offense and that line to pick up a yard. They give it to Dante Strickland. He picks up the first down. They move the chains. Now, obviously, they didn't get in, but they were able to improve upon their field position. It was a shorter field goal. Murphy knocks it through, and Syracuse takes the lead and, yeah. and able to hang on from there. And I there. think that was just important to score, right? And bounce right. bounce back up off the mat and say, hey, we're but not going anywhere. To and that be was the able to pick said. up a fourth and one twice, with the run, and one time it was Dungy, one time it was Strickland. But again, going back even a month, I'm not sure this coaching staff would have would have been confident enough to go for it in that situation, given how poorly the line was playing and and how non-existent the run game was. Syracuse has discovered the run game in in the last couple of weeks, and it again. You you point to the you know the Irv touchdown the Steve Ishmael touchdown you point to the way Dungy played but an underlying theme in this game and an underlying reason why they won is that they were able to run the football to some degree. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The, the, they were able to run the ball, which we have not seen at all this year. Maybe outside of last week, like maybe the last two weeks. The last two weeks, they've they've been able to run the ball significantly better than they had all season long. And uh, make me go back and say let's let's run the ball some more rather than not run the ball at all. <laughs> uh, but I think that when I suggested that it was totally legit. But uh, moving on, uh, <laughs> you know Dante Strickland was way better even this week than he was last week. He averaged almost four yards a carry. Like that, that'll get the job done. And, you the know, and, and it did the, at the end of the year. The touchdown the that he the scored was, was obviously a reception, um, but it was just a little swing pass, and, and he was able to do something we haven't been able to see from Dante Strickland. He got tripped up. He was able to stay on his feet, break a tackle uh, on that play, and then find his way to the end zone. It was a big play. Again, doesn't count as a rushing touchdown, but certainly a huge play for them to set the tone the way that they did. We asked Adam Terry on the pregame show up on the quad, I asked him, I said, if Syracuse wins the coin toss, are they electing to defer or are they electing to receive? He said, take the ball. Now, it turned out that Clemson won the toss and they deferred and Syracuse got the football. But his point was, go down and set the tone. Score on that first drive. And I go to the the first drive of the game and the first drive of the second half. The first drive of the game, SU has it. They march right down the field. 10-play drive, 72 yards. Dante Strickland scores on that 23-yard pass uh, from from Eric Dungy, the swing pass, and he's able to stay on his feet and score. The first drive of the second half, obviously Clemson has the ball now. It's a 17-14 game, 
And Syracuse was able to stop them. Clemson did not score on that opening drive. And I thought the way that they were able to set the tone at the very beginning of each half, it was it was enormous. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, being able to come out and score fast, they scored two touchdowns in the first quarter. Uh, you know, it was far and away the best start to a game that we've seen out of this Syracuse Orange team. And, and they needed it. They needed to be able to, as you said, set the tone. Right, And they did that for the first time, I think, really all season. I mean, sure, you could say they did against Central Connecticut State, and you would say, yeah, I, I would hope so. Uh, you know, But they didn't do it against Middle Tennessee. They you know, maybe kind of sort of did with Central Michigan, but then you know, kind of poured it on in the middle and late stage of that game, too. The Pitt game, they certainly didn't come out strong. The NC State and LSU game, if they had come out strong, they win one or both of them. You know, so... I think that being able to come out and set a tone and play well from the jump on Friday night is the reason they they probably won that game. 315-437-7644. Again, so much to get to from this Syracuse-Clemson game. What does it mean for this season? What does it mean for this program? What does it mean for Dino Babers? What does it mean for this community? So much to jump into. We want to hear from you. No guests lined up until 135. We'll bring on Giants defensive lineman Jay Bromley in a little more than an hour from now. But phone lines open up until then. 315-437-7644. We are back after this on Orange Nation. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Everything that you know we've been through in these last four years, you know, the lowest of the lows, you know, um, back when we lost eight in a row, you know, the things that Coach Babers has done for our program and for our culture and, you know, just instilling in us, you know, not only what it means to be a family, but also what it really means to be a man sometimes. And I'm just happy that we could, you know, meet, you know, me and Paris, Steve, you know, the seniors could be able to enjoy the fruits of our labor while we're still here. That voice, none other than Zaire Franklin and, and Seth, it's it's the voice of a senior who realizes his time here is running short. And I thought that he put it well, that it was you know, it's nice that we're able to experience this. We put in all this hard work, and we know Zaire's a three-time captain, and, you know, between Ishmael and Phillips and Paris Bennett and, and on down the list, we know that this senior class has been through a lot. We know they've lost a lot of football games. To to be a part of this and and to feel like, hey, maybe we had a hand in, in leaving Something. the program in better hands than when we found it, and we had a hand in this turnaround that I think we all expect to come— these guys were 11 and 25 the last three years before this year. And we know that they've none of them have been to a bowl game. You mentioned on the, the pregame show on the quad, only three, three guys, guys on are, the roster are redshirt right red seniors that went in 2013 when, they might when not Syracuse have even went gone. to the Texas Bowl. Like, who knows? On the roster. Right. Um, but nobody played in a, in a bowl game. And that's the goal for the senior class. And it seemed like a goal that was after the Middle Tennessee State loss. Let, let's be honest, it felt unattainable or it was going to be very hard to get there. And now all of a sudden, it's very much back on the table. You got to feel great for those seniors. Four and three, just like we all thought, right? Just like they drew it up. <laughs> yeah, just like they drew it up. Uh, you know, they, they lost a game they shouldn't have won. They won a game they shouldn't have. Uh, they lo- lost a game they shouldn't have lost, and they won a game they shouldn't have won. And, you know, na- now here we are. Uh, I-, I think you can't help but feel really good for this senior class, for Zaire Franklin, for Steve Ishmael, for Paris Bennett, who's putting together. A phenomenal year. Like I know that we've talked about it, but 
when you look at what Paris Bennett has done this year, uh, you know, all the focus was coming into the season on Zaire Franklin, and I think that was fair. I mean, he was going to be the first three-time captain in 120 years at this program. He did become the first three-time captain in 120 years. And, like, Paris Bennett has just quietly gone about doing his job and has just played phenomenal defense uh, and a phenomenal linebacker position. Um, and look, if they can not only leave the program better than when they got here, because when they got here, they were coming off a bowl game and then went three and nine, and then went three and nine, and then went four and eight. Uh, if they could just leave it a little bit better, uh, and oh, by the way, that includes a trip to a bowl game your senior year, what a great re- reward, right? I mean, what a great feeling that must be if they're able to do this and finish it off. 315-437-7644. Back to the phone lines. Ryan in Syracuse up next on Orange Nation. Hey, Ryan. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, good. So, yeah, that was obviously a great game on uh, Friday, Friday the 13th. Um, speaking of kind of feelings going off that, your last uh, thing you said there. Yeah. I had a I had a really, really good feeling we were going to be in that game Friday and or win that game. Um, I'm not going to get into all the the reasons for it, but um, on the whole feeling thing, but I also have a, a really bad feeling that Babers isn't going to be with us for the long haul, um, whether or not Syracuse gets out the checkbook or not. I just I just have this bad feeling he doesn't he's not going to stay with the Syracuse program for the long haul and try to just, you know, be that guy here. I just have a feeling he wants to go somewhere else for that. And I just want to get your thoughts on what you're thinking of that. And then one other thing, what were your thoughts on uh, how big of a, I guess, recruiting boost you think that game really, you know, helped out with the win? Yeah, well, good call, Ryan. And I I think you raised two questions that that many fans are are thinking, particularly that first one. We'll touch on the second one. How much did it help? It it's to. it's got to help a yeah. lot. Uh, and and Dino Babers was on a plane early the next morning, uh, and he mentioned that in his post game press conference that he was heading to the New York City area, and obviously couldn't get into who he's recruiting, but said he was heading to New York City. And we know there were a few recruits in the house that night as well. That that's got to help. I mean, if you were a recruit coming to that game, how could you not be impressed and and want to be a part of that? And Dino's post game speech and all that. Uh, he plays very well to the media. I mean, obviously. Yes, I mean, the, between the, the post game speech and going on Mike and Mike today and, and making the rounds and um, you know pumping up the crowd at halftime when he's talking with Brian Higgins. I mean, it's all, it's all part of that package. Now, to that first point, I know that that is a concern among a majority of the fan base, that too much success too soon could mean you know, he's out of here too quickly. Um, you know, a Tennessee job, for instance, may open up. I think A&M. there's a strong chance, you know, A&M is another possibility. When some of these big programs open up and they throw a ton of money at the potential candidates, um, you can't help but be worried, I think, if you're a Syracuse fan. It's interesting how the narrative has changed over the course of just a month, month and a half, the lost Middle Tennessee, and people are questioning, you know, is is this is this going to work is here? This the guy, and now right. all of a sudden it turns into, you know, you better lock him up because, you know, he could be gone by the end of the year. I, I get the concern, and I get that you are Syracuse right now and you're not Alabama and, you know, you're not even Tennessee or Texas a and I, I I get that. Um it's hard to say what will happen. Will Syracuse, quote-unquote, you know, open up the checkbook? Um, 
you know, will he get offers from other programs? I got to imagine that this is going to, you know, we said it's going to open up some eyes in terms of Eric Dungy around the country for people. This is going to open up some eyes, and, and last year's win over Virginia Tech, I, I think, has already opened up some eyes with Dino Babers in terms of, you know, this guy is is one heck of a football coach. Oh, absolutely. And, and look, I might be naive here. Um, I don't think it's as big a concern as maybe we should think. Like really? I think there's I think there's some kind of concern to it, right? Like if Tennessee is going to come out and throw 5 million dollars a year, like yeah, that's that's attractive. You wait, wait, um, wait, wait. You were here though when Doug Marone went 500 yes, yes, and he went to yes. the NFL. No, I know. I know. I mean it's um, possible. I mean it's, but here's it's possible. But oh, it absolutely is. But but here's my thought on that also. The NFL is very different from college football, right? Like there's there's a very different distinction between college and NFL and I think Doug Marone was an NFL guy through and through. Like even while he was here, like he was an NFL guy. He came from the NFL. He went back. I'm not suggesting here, Dino's back. going to the NFL. I don't, and Dino and even I don't said think Friday he is either. Yeah, Dino said Friday night. I don't, I don't want to go to the NFL. That's what I'm saying. So I don't, I don't think, think he's going to the NFL. But it, will he be intrigued by? Hey, we'll double or triple your salary oh, sure. to go coach. Sure. You know, in Tennessee, and he might be. But you know what? Tennessee comes with a lot of baggage that sure. you don't have here. Sure. If you go, if you go 500 here and make a bowl game every year, you're coach for life, right? If you go 7-5 every year here and you make a bowl game, you are coach for as long as you want. If you go 6-6 six and six there one year, you're getting your butt out of town, right? Like, why do you want that? And, and you know, there's some of that. Like, Butch Jones, like, he was living life at Cincinnati, right? Like, he was, he was living high on the hog. It was great. He goes to Tennessee. He has a good year or two. He goes nine and three, ten and two, and then all of a sudden he goes eight and four, seven and five, and he's getting killed and he's being run out of town. And you know, it's just like that. Some of that to me is like, what's the point? You know, Kevin Sumlin at ten at A and M had a couple great years with Johnny Manziel, and they you know are going to the biggest bowl games and they're going to the Cotton Bowl and they're you know winning their conference, and then all of a sudden they they don't have Johnny Manziel anymore and they don't have a Heisman winner under center and. He wins eight games instead of ten. Oh my God, how terrible! And he's being run out of town. Like, yeah, that's awesome. And you get three times your salary, and you're in Texas or you're in Tennessee. You know, and, and the weather's nice. But like, is it really all it's cracked up to be? And I, I'm not sure. You know, you're in a right now. Look, Syracuse is not UConn. Syracuse is not Cincinnati. Syracuse is not. Uh, you know, Bowling Green, where he was. Syracuse is an ACC school with an indoor stadium and an indoor practice facility and, you know, playing in the best division in the country and on TV every week. You know, like, there are positives here. You are not little sisters of the poor. You are Syracuse in the ACC. And you know what? If you have to shell out money and you have to double his salary, then do it! Well, I because think that's we the haven't big been if, paying though. our coaches forever, I so think, just do it. I think that's the big if, and I frankly said that I think your opinion is in the minority. I think that there is a, a majority of fans who are concerned that you know while there are some positives, that the the, the positives don't outweigh the allure of another one of those big time jobs. And I think that again. A majority of people don't look at Syracuse right now, and you hope that that perception changes. Right. And it was different at some time, but right now, this is not considered, you know, a sexy job. Sure, and I understand that, but like, I, I would also again, you could stay here and you could take your lumps against Clemson, and you could take your lumps every year against Florida State, and you can even take your lumps every year against Louisville, and nobody will bat an eye, right? 
Every once in a while, you beat a Clemson. You beat a Florida State at home. Maybe you get good enough where you're the, the fourth team. You're beating Louisville regularly. Whatever it may be. If you're going down to Texas A&M, if you're going down to Tennessee, the question's always going to be, oh, well, you know, he won seven games, but he didn't beat Alabama. I'm not saying you're wrong. You know, like, I'm not saying you're wrong. Like I, just, I, I, don't, it's, I don't see it. That's certainly one way to look at it. I, just, I don't think a lot of people around here look at it like that. You that, also don't have to play in the rain here. That's true. You don't have to. You don't have to try and run that offense in the snow up here. You know, like there, there are positives. To there this. are a ton of positives. I, it, it, absolutely. I'm just saying it's not considered, you know, a top ten job in the country. And if you know one of those jobs opens, and you know they come a calling and they open their checkbooks, I, sure. I'm just I, saying. I, mean, I think. It, let, let's put it this way. I think the concern is real. I'm not saying he's leaving either, but I think the concern is real, and I understand where it's coming from. We're up against the clock. We've got to take another time out. If you're on hold, stay on hold. Back after this on ESPN Radio.